I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Yeah, Trip Rockway, uh, VP of Global Sales at Paddle. Uh, it's going to be a very different kind of talk, so less focused on sales funnel, more focused on uh, kind of broader trends and how to deal with the economy getting weird, uh, which is really what we're going to focus on here. So um, let's keep this super conversational, by the way. Uh, so just like with Kyle, like jump in with questions, interrupt me at any point if you guys want to go deeper on on one of the topics here. So you all are probably feeling this a little bit. Anyone feel like the everything's going great, economy's great, nothing's changed? Yeah, cool. Um, we're seeing the same thing. So um, we sit on data for about 40,000 SaaS companies. Um, and so we have a little bit of a, a lens into this. Uh, and so we, we aggregate this in two ways. One is looking at B2C SaaS companies, so often a leading indicator as to how the economy is doing. Um, and what we've seen here is that uh, growth is very much flatlined uh, in, in the past couple of months especially. Um, and when you look at it from a B2B perspective... Uh, this trend also continues, uh, mostly in the form of churn. So this chart's a little busy, but basically churn is up a whole point and a half um, relative to two and a half years ago. Uh, so things are harder. If you're feeling that, it's real, it's justified. Uh, so if you're a CEO and you're nervous, tell your board that, yeah, it's real, everyone's feeling it, etc. So obviously the question from here is, like, what do we do? Um, before I get too much into that, though, I want to make things a little worse for you. Uh, things are, are just broadly hard, and they have been trending in that direction in general. Um, so this is over the last five years. Uh, average competitors in a given industry in SaaS is up 15, 15-16x. Um, CAC is way up. Obviously, people are demanding more money, uh, and they're leaving faster. Um, so things were already getting hard, and now they've just gotten a lot harder and, and worse. So um, say all this to say uh, status quo probably isn't going to work. So you do need to think about how do, we, how do we get ahead of this and start to make some changes so we're not surprised. Um, so let's get into that a bit. Uh, our view at Paddle, we're very opinionated about this, is the right thing to do here is to focus. Um, and what I mean by that is um, on the things that your company is uniquely qualified to do to win. Uh, so that's your team, hiring great people, having an anti-fragile sales team, for instance, making sure they're well taken care of uh, and know what they need to do to succeed, having a world-class product, and understanding your customer better than anyone else. Um, we did a survey of these 30,000 SaaS companies, 40,000 SaaS companies that use our platform to ask them, uh, why can't you do this? Like, what's in your way of actually focusing on, on the things you should do to win? By the way, we also asked, do you agree with this? And they all said yes, of course, um, or like 90, 95%. Uh, and what we saw from folks is there's sort of like six big buckets of things that were causing them to be a bit distracted from those core competencies. 
Um, one is customer acquisition. So like, how do, we, how do we grow? How do we acquire more customers? Uh, pricing and packaging, expansion revenues, how do we upsell? Um, all the operations around finance, billing, compliance, sales tax, all the boring stuff. And then, of course, churn. Uh, and if you know our Patrick Campbell, he does a 25-minute talk where he only says churn uh, for 25 straight minutes. So I suggest Googling that if you haven't seen it because it's fun. Um, there's a ton of stuff underneath this that, that we also uncovered. Uh, and we're actually going to get really tactical and talk about some of these things. Um, because while we do think that you should be focused you know, with almost all of your attention on your customer, your team, and your product, um, obviously these things are real and they're going to be hitting you in the face every day. And there's stuff that we can do to address some of them. So let's get into it. Um, the first thing we recommend thinking about right now in this moment, given where the economy is going, is, is your positioning. So how are you talking to the market? Who are you talking to? Um, and like tomorrow, our recommendation would be to go look at this. Um, you should probably change what you're doing, if you haven't already, tomorrow. Specifically, a couple things to look at. Um, what is your sales messaging? So to, to Kyle's point, how is your team actually going to market? What are the things they're saying to customers right now? If it's the same as it was 12 months ago, you've got a problem. Second point is, um, who are you targeting? As we talked about earlier, a really smart question around how we optimize the funnel. Um, thinking intelligently about focusing on who you're talking to right now. Um, what we recommend is, is to really hone in there. Uh, so rather than trying to talk to everybody who's over 100 employees, blah, 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 looking at your data to understand where you win, how you win, uh, and really focusing in on key core segments. So at Paddle, for instance, we were selling to every SaaS company. We've stopped doing that. Um, we are selling to only a very small subsection of the market right now, and we're basically saying no to everybody else. We know our effort is better placed there. It's more likely to convert to revenue. We're literally turning people away right now and not doing any outbound outreach on companies that don't look exactly like the kind of companies we know are going to convert, are more likely to convert. Expansion revenue. So um, old adage, I think most of you probably know this one, it's easier to get an extra dollar from a customer you have than from a customer you don't. So what we see when we look at this across um, the 40,000 companies in our, in our portfolio um, is that the highest performing ones, 20% of their revenue or more is from their existing customer base. Unfortunately, most, uh, the vast majority have zero or negative. So what do we do to fix that? Um, the first thing is multi-product. So this is a little bit beyond sales and marketing, obviously. So for those of you who are VPs of sales, CMOs, um, go yell at your product team or your CEO about this. Um, but one of the first things you can do uh, is, is adding a different product or splitting your existing product out into multiple products. Um, companies that do this grow at 30 to 50% faster rates than those that have a single product. Add-ons is another really easy thing to do with an existing product or platform um, that you could go sort of mess around with tomorrow. Um, we see this as like very commonly underthought about uh, in the market. Um, but companies that do this well have 18 to 54% um, higher lifetime value um, when they have at least one add-on. All right, this is one of my favorite topics, uh, localization. So um, I work for Paddle. We're a global company headquartered in London. Uh, most companies in Europe and abroad think about this from day one. Um, U.S. companies often do not think about this, and it's a big mistake. Uh, if you look at Asana's S1, 40% uh, of their revenue growth uh, was from international, 
and it grew at a faster rate than their U.S. volume did. So this is often a thing that U.S. companies just like ignore. It's like, oh, the market's huge, um, but there's usually a big opportunity here that's not that hard to get. Um, easiest thing you can do is cosmetic localization. So if you have a checkout, for instance, or you know a, a sort of buy now page or talk to sales, change the language, change the currency you're showing on your pricing page to match markets you might want to penetrate. Super easy to do. Like there's widgets you can download tomorrow that do this for you automatically. We recommend going a lot deeper than that. Um, and we see in the data that companies that do this well perform a lot better. So adding multiple currencies, companies that do that grow 12% faster. Um, those that have a lot of currencies, 25 plus, grow 25% faster. Payment methods, um, again, if you're just in the US, you're thinking credit card's fine, wire transfer ACH is fine. Around the world, there are a ton of different payment methods that are preferred. So for instance, in Germany, most people like to use PayPal to buy software. Kind of blew my mind when I learned that, but 60% of our transactions from Germany are done via PayPal. Something as simple as that can dramatically increase um, your growth rates. Another really interesting uh, thing to think about is um, pricing power. So this, again, is a thing you can do tomorrow, um, especially if you have a, a sort of self-serve checkout. Companies in the Nordics and in Western Europe are willing to pay 20% higher prices for the exact same product relative to the U.S. So go increase your price by 20% in Western Europe and watch your conversion rates stay the same. In other parts of the world, they're, they're not, right? Um, purchasing power is lower, um, et cetera. You can actually grow faster if you reduce your price in places like India and Brazil relative to, to U.S., so again, something pretty simple that you can look at tomorrow and improve growth rates. Um, tax is a really fun one that if you want to go deep on, we think a lot about it, grab me after. Um, it's a sneaky one that a lot of folks aren't thinking about. Uh, and a, a fun fact we have is um, in Europe, uh, the expectation, especially from a B2B transaction, um, is that you essentially exclude the tax, meaning you, you show them the amount of tax that you're applying to the transaction instead of just bearing it in your product, in your, in your pricing, excuse me. So companies that are, quote, tax inclusive, meaning they're just adding tax to their price instead of showing it as a different line item, grow at 15% slower rates. So you have to pay tax. It's not an option. This has all changed dramatically in the last seven years, by the way. So if you're not paying sales tax today, you really need to look at that because um, we had a company approach us a year ago um, who owed $5 million to the UK in back taxes, um, and, and they were not giving up uh, on collecting that money. So it can be a sticky one that um, can, can bite you if you're not careful. All right, I'm not gonna dwell on this um, because we did a talk earlier um, here uh, on this topic deeply. If you wanna talk more about this, grab me. We recommend you change your prices once a quarter. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, because you're probably not thinking about this at all as a monetization tool. Um, change your price once a quarter. Second thing is have a pricing committee. So having a, having a group of people come from, from products, sales marketing, probably your CEO, who are responsible for price and look at it monthly, easy thing to do to start to think about how to actually get into a rhythm of changing your price frequently. All right, everyone's favorite topic, churn. Um, this is obviously getting worse right now. Uh, Couple of things you can do to stem the tide. There's two types of churn. There's voluntary churn. Someone says, I don't really like your product that much. I don't want to pay you anymore. Involuntary churn. I actually like your product and I want to keep using it, but for whatever weird reason, I'm not going to pay you. We're going to focus on that type of churn. Often it's like around 40% of total churn and folks tend not to think about it. 
So one thing you can do is term length. This is fairly obvious. Um, ask for an annual deal instead of a monthly deal. I think a lot of folks know that. What's maybe a little more non-obvious is that you can do it after the customer has already signed up. So Whoop is one of our customers, and what they do after month one, and they look at usage data to inform this, is they'll send an offer to a, a user who's really happy, who's using a lot, and say, hey, by the way, you can get a big discount if you sign up for a year. Cancellation flows. So when someone is going to cancel your product, they're like on a freight train to, I hate this, I don't want to use it ever again, see you later, I'm mad for whatever reason. So you're probably not going to save a ton of them, uh, but there's some subtle things that you can do to save some of them. Um, and a lot of that is just basic human psychology. Um, so uh, what we recommend folks do is add a little prompt that says, hey, like, understand you're, you're, you're wanting to cancel, why? Help me understand that better. Based on, on the answer, serving up a little bit of nostalgia. Why did you like us? Think about the best thing of, of being a customer of ours. What was that thing? Doing something as simple as that, as prompting them to think about the positive, um, we've seen can reduce churn by 10 to 25%. Again, not a huge lift. Simple thing you can do, taps into a little bit of psychology that can reduce churn. Um, how many of you guys look at payment failure? Okay, everyone should raise their hand next time I ask this question. Um, this is another sort of low-hanging fruit thing that a lot of folks don't think about. Um, and it's typically the biggest bucket of involuntary churn. Um, so a lot of things you can do to, to fix this, and again, it's really not that hard. Um, the simplest thing you can do is use our product Retain. Um, otherwise, uh, just making sure you have some Dunning flow in place to get ahead of credit card failures. So making sure you're understanding when a credit card's about to fail and prompting the customer ahead of that to change their payment information. And then having recovery after that, retries, SMS, email, prompting them to update their information to, to actually have that transaction go through. Uh, again, that's often 50% or more of involuntary churn, which is usually about 40% of total churn. So um, simple payment recovery can inc increase your, your recovery by, um, by 20%. Okay, we're basically done. Uh, Let's turn it over to, to Q&A. Anything you guys want to dive deeper on that we talked about? I went very fast. Uh, the credit card, there's tools to help you do this. Um, so I would just use a tool because it's going to be the easiest thing to do. Uh, but it's based on when the credit card expiration date is. I'd be a billionaire if I knew the answer to that question. Yeah, no idea. I think it's going to depend, obviously, like, things are very fluid. Um, I think, you know, are we in a recession or not? It's not up to me to define. Um, I would argue, based on our data, like, things are probably going to get worse before they get better. Unfortunately. And I don't have an answer as to when it's going to get better again. Uh, 
I, I guess maybe there's two parts to that question. So it's a question we get all the time. Yep. And are you thinking about like your content base? Are you thinking about localizing the content itself? I mean, because I think being a content-driven platform, yeah. I think that some of the suggestions you made of okay, I book a meeting more effectively in the checkout process, 100% probably have an uptick. Yep. Real requests come from the content itself, and this is where it becomes a really scary piece of like rebuilding everything. Um, that's that's going to be a lot harder than some of the stuff I suggested, obviously. And I don't have a great answer for, for that depth. Um, sure. That's a little beyond, you know, what we've looked at. The the buying experience is what we're normally thinking about, um, and that does matter. And we see, like, we've seen um, rates vary as much as 10% up to 50% on a checkout. So, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, and it's a pretty low-hanging thing that you can, that you can go do. Um, so, you know, if you, if you do that in the inverse, you're probably losing out on, you know, 10% of revenue, um, potentially. The payment failures we see is a big one. Um, we look at this all the time with our customers, and we'll see folks missing out both on the initial attempted payment and then on subsequent attempted payments. Yeah, upwards of, like, 10% of their revenue, 15% of their revenue. And when you add all this stuff up, it can be super, super meaningful. Yeah. Anything else? Cool. Well, if any of this stuff is interesting, grab me. Happy to go deeper. Appreciate it.